Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. I want to tell you about Doral Toyota. We're excited to tell you about them because they are South Florida, pure South Florida, just like us. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Mall, and is the place to go if you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years of complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. Also, in-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129, that's 305-680-1129, or come into the dealership, you'll work with a dedicated manager, not a salesperson. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you have found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button. That way you will get all of our new episodes as long as you turn on notifications as soon as they post, as well as all of the old episodes in our library. Make sure you check out our episode from last week with Steve Shapiro of WSVN7. Talk about his very long career. Yes, he's old. In South Florida sports, covering the five major teams, as well as all of the jokes he's told that he should take back but won't. Also, check out all of the other podcasts in our network. You can find them by typing in five reasons sports to your podcast provider. And you will find all of our other podcasts, including Miami Heat Beat, Three Yards Per Carry, Swings and Mishes on Baseball with Craig Mish, Steve Goldstein with Goldie on Ice. And we're going to have a new one soon. It's called Out for the Count with Armando Alvarez and Vic Bermudez on Boxing and MMA. So make sure you check that out. That gets us to 14. All right. For our topic today, we had a number of different ways that we were going to go. And I've just sort of been tweeting like a maniac all weekend. And so I basically felt like I needed to actually talk out some of these things to see if I'm way off base here. I can tell you, Chris, that three yards per carry, um, Simon Clancy you know, came at me a little bit, um, as only Simon can do with his particular vernacular, came at me a little bit because he's like, is it now a network position that we're going after Adam Gase? And I, I said, no, you're welcome to go after whoever you want or not go after or go after me uh, if you'd like to. And so... I don't speak for everybody in the network. I know sometimes it seems that way, but I don't speak for everybody in the network on this. But Chris, look, I've basically just started to raise some questions here. I'm not calling for a firing or anything like that, but based on my experience covering this team when I was around other coaches, 
I'm starting to raise some questions because the numbers are not good. So are you ready for some of these, Chris? I'm going to go through some stats. Yeah, let's do it. One of the things I hear a lot when it comes to the Dolphins is, well, it's really not that bad on offense. And Adam Gase is a quarterback whisperer and he'll figure it out. Okay, the Kansas City Chiefs did not score on their first drive today. They scored 30 points against Denver, but they did not score on their first drive today. Relatively tame offensive performance from them today. Very weak for them. Right, very weak. <laughs> if, if, if the Dolphins did that like twice in a month, we'd have a ticker tape parade. But weak for the Chiefs. Okay, they scored 30 points today, but did not score on their opening drive. Um, but in their last 11 games, they've scored 54 points on their opening drives. Now, you're going to say, oh, well, they have Patrick Mahomes. These include Patrick Mahomes' first nine starts of his NFL career, okay? So you're breaking in a new quarterback. I don't care how talented he is. He's still a new quarterback. And Andy Reid went yes. and found him. Like, he traded from the back end of the first round up to 10 in a year in which they didn't need to take a quarterback because they just made the playoffs. They have a, a quarterback who's second in the playoffs, and they went and got one anyway. And, like, you compare that to Ryan Tannehill, who has never made the playoffs as a starter. That's unfair on his 2016 yeah. because he was on his way to taking the Dolphins to the playoffs. But... He's never taken the Dolphins to the playoffs, and yet they still find him to be untouchable, whereas Andy Reid went and found this guy. So credit to the Chiefs, and I think it's still, like, I don't think you can throw him away like he's some sort of cheat code because they went and found him when no one else in the top nine, when everyone in the top nine presumably wanted quarterback, didn't take him. The only player at any position in professional sports who's had less competition over the past six years for his spot has been LeBron James. <laughs> okay, compared to Ryan Tannehill. Okay. I mean, everybody else, okay? I mean, even Steph Curry at one point, it was, hey, should Monte Ellis be getting most of the shots on this team? Right. Okay, Brian Tannehill has never questioned. Kevin Durant started his career as a shooting guard. Right, right, right. Had to move, right? <laughs> I can't remember who he had to move for now that I look back. <laughs> I'm going to go back I, and look I, at those I, Sonics I, teams. Yeah, take, take a look at the first Sonics team. But somebody moved Kevin Durant to the two spot at six foot eleven. All right. It was P.J. Carlissimo who was the coach, and, right. he, and, and he's not a fan. But, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to find this. Yes. All right. So find that. But while we're doing this, I'm going to spit out some stats. Okay. Last 11 first drives, the Chiefs have scored 54 points. Chris, how many of the Dolphins scored in their last 11 first drives? I'm going to say 28. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've scored zero. Yeah. They've been outscored 54 to nothing by the Chiefs on the last 11 first drives. Okay. That's just one stat. Not I've great. said that on a pod before. It's not particularly good when you're an offensive genius who has a week to prepare for a team. Okay. Let's start there. Second, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned that the Chiefs scored 30 points today, not their best output, but they've now scored 26 points or more in their last 13 games. 26 or more in their last 13 games. In Adam Gase's 40 games as head coach, how many times do you think they've scored 26 points? 40 games. Not 40 last games. 13. Yeah, 40 games. 40 games. Um, 13. 15. Oh, oh, damn it. I undershot it. I'm supposed to overshoot. That's the whole point of the You're game. Is I, I, I overshoot. I, I, I failed you. My bad. All right. 15 out of 40. Andy Reid is 13 for his last 13. That's crazy. 15 out of 40 is a 267 That's average. I mean, that, that won't even get you in the top seven in the Red Sox lineup. Okay. That's <laughs> 15. 15 as they're about to win a World Series tonight. 15 out of 40, okay? That's another stat. Um, I got one more for you. Adam Gase has now coached 40 games in the NFL. His record is 20 and 20 in those 40 games. You probably know the answer to this because I spit this one out on Twitter a couple days ago. What was Joe Philbin's record through 40 games? Uh, was it 20 and 20? It was 20 and 20. <laughs> and that came after 
Philbin's team dominated three opponents going into that 20 and 20. He was 17 and 20, but then they beat, they beat three teams by like something like 78 to 27. And the last of those was 37, nothing over the chargers. So they were trending up at that point. Now, didn't end up working out so great. We know that Philbin went three and five the rest of that season and then was fired early into the, the season after. But I got another number for you. So 20 and 20, 20 and 20. You say, okay, all right, whatever. It fell apart for Philbin after. Nobody was really saying they should fire Philbin at the 40 game mark, right? It sort of happened eh, maybe second half of that season into the offseason. And then they got rid of him after that. Joe Philbin's teams through 40 games were a plus 13 in point differential. What is Adam Gase's team through 40 games? Plus 30. Minus 174. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so when they, when my, they lose, get the, they get the hell beaten out of them. Minus 174. That includes being outscored on Thursday night alone in three games, 104 to 30. But minus 174. So basically through 40 games, going to do a little math for you here, they're being outscored on average by over four points per game. So this idea that they're a 500 team, no, Joe Philbin's teams were 500 teams through 40 games. Adam Gase's teams, not 500 in reality. Okay, yes, you are what your record says you are, said Bill Parcells, failed president, one of many failed executives here in Miami. You are what your record says you are. But they should be much worse, much worse. They're fortunate to be 4-4 four and four this year. All of their numbers reflect a team that should actually be two and six at this stage. And I think it's going to fall apart in the second half of the season now because you can't sustain that. Point differential is telling in the NFL. Eventually it gets you. Okay. And even the year that the Dolphins made the playoffs, they were a minus. The 10 and six year, mm -hmm. they were a big minus last year. They've been a bigger minus now. Okay. Next thing that is said, okay, by Dolphin fans who are saying, give it more time, making excuses. Okay. Adam Gase inherited a team that was not good, but it was not awful. I mean, he did not inherit the 2007 team, you know, that was one in 15 and Tony Sperano turned it around to 11 and five right before that kind of collapsed on him a little bit, but not quite to the extent I think that things are going to collapse on Gase now. But somebody made the point, oh, you should give him more time. I mean, look how long Kansas City had to turn this thing around. Eh, 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 eh. Two and 14 the year before Andy Reid took over. Okay, two and 14. I'm going to give you some numbers of the Kansas City Chiefs since. Okay, let's go through these 11 and 5, 9 and 7, 11 and 5, 12 and 4, 10 and 6, 6 and 1. Repeat 11 and 5, 9 and 7, <laughs> 11 and 5, 12 and 4, 10 and 6, 6 and 1. So we're saying that Adam Gase is not Andy Reid. I, I mean, it's not a question of not being Andy Reid. It, it's a question of like not being in the same stratosphere. Okay, one more for you. All right, and, and to me, this is the killer. Okay, this is uh, all these other stats I give you. And, and look, I've had no dealings with Gase. I have nothing personal against him. And I'm not saying he should be fired right now. Okay. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I don't understand. And we're going to get to this more as the pod goes on. I don't know why there has been this sort of benefit of the doubt that he's gotten that coaches I covered in that building did not. Okay. Dave wants that. And you can say Dave inherited a better team from Jimmy. I get that. Okay. Dave wants that finished his career with the dolphins at 42 and 31. Okay. 42 and 31. And that included one and eight in the last year after his running back fled for a tent in Australia. Okay. He was, he was 41 and I'm going to do the quick math here. 41 and 23 before that happened. And people wanted him fired 41 and 23 and people wanted him fired. And I'm not saying Dave was a, you know, a football savant okay at least on the offensive end it's okay to punt okay all, all the rest of that stuff okay i get it okay i understand why people were frustrated with dave 
but 41 and 23. And people wanted him fired. Mm-hmm. Gates is 20 and 20 with a minus 174. Everybody's like, he needs more time. Okay, one more for you. All right. Everybody's going to say, well, he's got a bunch of injuries right now. He does. He does. Okay. Albert Wilson will be the ninth player this year to go on IR. The Chiefs have 11. The Patriots have 10 entering this week's game. Okay. Now you could say, well, the Dolphins players are more important, right? Like they lost two starting offensive linemen. The Patriots didn't lose really core guys this year. The Chiefs mm-hmm. have not lost core guys. Like, if you think about it, the Dolphins have lost two starting receivers at, at varying points in the year, two starting mm-hmm. offensive linemen, and their starting quarterback. And, and right, starting quarterback the last three weeks, although I, I would argue that Brock has played at a level that was pretty commensurate with where uh, Tannehill was playing. I'd but say, yes, I'd say better. Better. Okay, he's I, managing. I, I, I'm willing to say that Brock Osweiler through three starts has been better than Tannehill has been this season. Well, certainly better than Tannehill was the last two starts, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think if you looked at Ryan early in the season. I think season, even like you compare it to like they won the Jets game, but I don't think Tannehill was good in the Jets game. Maybe he had a good quarterback rating. Maybe he had a good quarterback rating in, in the game against uh, Oakland where they got those long touchdowns. But I, I, I don't think he was particularly good in that game. I, I think Osweiler has been better commanding this offense. Now, I don't think I, I think that's an indictment of Tannehill. I don't think that means you should give the starting reins to right. Osweiler. Like I, right. I like you don't give Osweiler a starting job. You say thank you very much for being a great backup. If you want to go start for somebody else, go ahead. If not, we'll keep you as a backup. But I, I I'm not particularly. Can, like I'm convinced now that this it's done with Tannehill. It's over. Like even if yeah. he comes back from this injury and even plays okay, you can't go into next year with him again. Like it's been Groundhog Day for seven years. It's enough already. Not not for eighteen point five million certainly. And and they, that is something by the way. That is a network position uh, because three yards per carry agrees with us on that one. All right, because as Simon, who was Tannehill's biggest backer, uh, basically checked mm-hmm. out on him three weeks, three he, four he, weeks. He ago. announced after the Bengals game that he was done. <laughs> It was a big announcement. We held a press conference. Which, which was funny to me because I, I announced that I was out after the Bengals game and CK got mad at me. And then he uh, he must have been floored when Simon did the same thing on, on, on the pod because he was like, oh, re- really? This is our reaction? Like, yeah, that's my reaction. I'm done. It's over. I- and CK then since came out and said he doesn't think Tannehill will, will play for them again. Yeah. Now he may. I don't believe he's going to play this Jets week. But anyway, back to a couple of other numbers here, okay? So, um, oh, before I get to this one, which is sort of the, the big one, um, the other thing that people are saying is, well, the Chiefs have put really good offensive pieces together, mm-hmm. okay? And the Dolphins haven't been in position to do that. No. Um, the Chiefs' offense right now consists of a running back they took in the third round, in Kareem Hunt, a wide receiver, Tariq Hill, that they took in the fifth round. Now, I understand there were other circumstances there because he had sure. off the field issues. Um, but again, the point is you can find guys later. OK, a tight end who's an elite tight end, one of the two best tight ends in the league and Travis Kelsey, who they took in the third round. And, so and, third, and, the, and the operative word in all this is they took. They Not, took. They signed. They traded for. They took. They took the only guy they've traded for that's been key to that offense has been Sammy Watkins, who Mm -hmm. basically replaced Wilson, um, and they had to give up a corner to do it. But you're looking at a third round, a third round, and a fifth round. There are three core pieces on the offense. They also put together the offensive line mostly through the draft. And like you said, they traded up to get Mahomes. So this idea that the Dolphins have not been in position to do those kind of things, no, I'm sorry. They have, okay? And they have taken guys ahead of some of the guys that the Chiefs took at the same positions. So this idea, again, that... Please don't tell me that Carew was the same year as Tyreek Hill. 
Um, I will have to check, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, the, the guy the guy they got out of that draft was Grant, actually, because mm-hmm. if you look at that way that the Carew trade worked out, they ended up getting Grant back with one of the picks. But then they essentially – and I, I love Jakeem Grant. Okay, I, To me, he's been the season. I, I'm actually going to do a piece for the Maven about the bright spots because I'm getting too negative. But the – if you if you look at what they got, I mean, they basically gave up three picks for Jakeem Grant, who again, big big Jakeem Grant fan, but not uh, not not ideal. Okay. I can confirm that Leonte Carew was taken in the same draft as Tyreek Hill. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good lord. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Lord. All right. All right. So that one, throw that one out the window. But here here's the big number to me. Okay. Since Adam Gase was hired, offensive rank. This is the playoff year, 2016. 17th in points, 24th in yards. Next year, 28th in points, 25th in yards. This year, 23rd in points, 26th in yards. Okay? The defenses. 2000, and by the way, the head coach is responsible for that too. Even if he's a quarterback whisperer, he's responsible for it. Particularly when you promote the guy to defensive coordinator, okay? And he's mm-hmm. in his second year. And, and for whatever reason, I was thinking about this the other day. Why haven't the Dolphins been able to escape a pattern of bringing in Bengals defensive minds. Uh, it's, coil. Been, it, it's coil to Joseph to Burke. Like it's all the same defense. Can we try a new defense? Like why is it this? <laughs> why is it the same tree of, got, of of the same scheme? Like it's the same guys over and over again. Well, can well, we try here's the something other, it, new? Here's the other part of that that's ridiculous. Uh, and I'm thinking of more numbers as we're doing this. We're never going to get to the topic of our pod. <laughs> uh, here, here's here's uh, here's the other part of that. Marvin Lewis has been there for 35 years, okay, <laughs> and, and, and never won a playoff game. Yeah. And Bengals brass, I know it's not the brightest because you got Mike Brown at the top, but Bengals brass has never considered any of these coordinators or position coaches qualified enough to replace a guy who cannot win a playoff game in six decades. Just think about that. Yeah. Like, like, like if if Coyle or Joseph, who, as we know, you know, you know, Denver situation, um, you know, I guess a little better the second year, but Denver situation hasn't played out ideally. Um, and, and then Coyle and, and Burke were not, it's not like they were considered to be head coaching candidates while they were there. So you're right about that, but let me go through the defense here. So this is 2016, 18th in points, 29th in yards, 2017, 29th in points, 16th in yards. And then this year, 27th in points and 27th in yards. Okay. So you have I've got 12 different categories there. Offense, defense, points, yards, points, yards over 3 different years. The best the Dolphins have placed in any of those categories is 16th once, 17th once, 18th once, everything else in the high 20s. Everything else. Okay? That's pathetic. Like that's I mean that's I mean be good at something. Like right. it's not something I you look yeah, and that was another point that people made about Andy, Andy Reid. They're like, okay, well, he just found this explosive offense like this year. Okay, as he jettisoned Alex Smith, by the way, is, you know, they're five and two in, in Washington. But he jettisoned Alex Smith, and he, he basically, you know, traded on the defense, okay, to get to that. Okay, okay, well, something was good. Okay, something was good enough to get those records mm-hmm. that I mentioned before. Right. Dave you, 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 I was going to say, you talk about the Wanstead comparison. They had an all-league defense, like one of the five best defenses in the league. Right. So, okay. So with Dave, okay, let, let's, let's do that. Right. Dave took over. Well, he really took over in 99 because Jimmy sort of stopped coaching, but like he took over in 2000 officially. And you look at the defenses that he had there and they were the, here's the defensive ranks third and sixth in points and yards, 11th and fifth in points and yards, fourth and third in points and yards, 
third and 10th in points and yards. And even in the disastrous 2004 season, 20th and eighth in points and yards. Like that's a consistently excellent defense that Dave put out there. And, and, and this is the worst part. Okay. His offenses were better than Gase's. His offenses. Everybody complained about those offenses. Mm-hmm. 2000. At, at least they gave the ball to Ricky Williams 30 times and scored and, and got yards that way. Uh, right. Okay. 2000. 16th and 26th in points and yards. 8th and 21st. 12th and 15th. 17th and 24th. Not great. But if you sort of average those numbers together, right about average, right between about 15th and 17th in the league. OK, and he was getting killed for that. Now you have this offensive guru, this quarterback whisper who they, again, have not scored a point on an offensive drive in 11 straight games while the Chiefs have scored 54. And this, again, offensive guru, quarterback whisper, 23rd and 26th, 28th and 25th, 17th and 24th. OK. One more for you, and then we're finally going to move on. I know this is more than we anticipated doing, but I had I had I had a lot of stats to get to. Okay, I, I anticipated doing this much because <laughs> <laughs> you've seen. I, I know, seen, I know, I know. You've been voraciously researching these things. I, I, I I've been hitting this stuff hard. Okay, in between, like taking my daughter to soccer and 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 uh, and figure skating, I, I should just be sitting there on the side, like punching into a calculator. Um, <laughs> the Dolphins have played football now for fifty-three years. Okay. 53 years. Where do you think this year's team ranks in point differential? Um, 35th. <laughs> go, go, go a little deeper. Uh, 45th. Okay. Um, you're getting closer. The 2018 and 2017 teams are the fifth and seventh worst Dolphin teams in their history in point differential. In their history. Mm-hmm. The only teams, the only teams that are worse, okay, First four expansion years, okay, before Shula came. So you got to go. You got to go to pre-Shula <laughs> by teams that were worse in point differential. The 2007 team, which goes on saying they were one in 15. Greg Camarillo saved them from 0 and 16. Okay, and that aforementioned 2014. That's it. Wow, that's it. Yeah, so was it 49th then um, or 48th? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so I, and okay, that's so it. so after all this. Yes. So what is uh, so, yeah, so, 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 so are we so, taking so, are we taking a network position on Adam Gase? No, no. I, 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 you, you sort of speak for the network very often. Uh, so what is your position on Adam Gase? My position on Adam Gase is that the benefit of the doubt is is gone, completely gone. And I, I believe what Channing Crowder said here, that I don't know why he's going to get to pick the next quarterback. Um, to me, I think we've seen enough. I, I think that look. They need a top-down rebuild. They need to do the whole thing over again. And I hate saying that. And I know, look, uh, my friend Dave Hyde um, has... All, all, ch- all the way from Tannenbaum, you're saying? I, I think... It, I mean, it, Well, I would keep Greer, okay? okay. Because, because to me, the, the only thing that's worked, um, and again, not all of it, not all of it, okay? Uh, you know, there's been some high picks that have busted. Uh, but there's enough there, whether it's Minka or whether it's Xavier Howard... Um, that, I, you know, and I think Kasiki has a chance. And, I, you know, so I, I, there's enough there that I, I think I, Vincent Taylor has, has sort of played above his draft position. Like, it's not hopeless like it's been in some previous years. So I, I would look at keeping him. He's been here for a lot of, you know, things, and I don't think he's ever been blamed for a lot of the stuff that's happened by the people who've been in, inside the building. So I would look at that. But to me, the rest of it, 
Like, you know, look, I, I, Dave Hyde's pushed back on this because I, and I understand with Dave, like every time you do a new regime, it's new players, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's new, it's a new style mm-hmm. and you've got to fit uh, people into that style. And then some players get lost in the shuffle. And it's and what Adam Gates did this off season, which is clear the house. I want to bring in my guys. Right, right. And he did. And, and look, mm-hmm. it, it hasn't, and I know they've had injuries, but it hasn't, it hasn't worked. Um, but so I understand. I, I don't like doing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do it, do it. Mm-hmm. And this has been the problem that may rest in peace. Wayne Huizenga and more recently, Steve Ross have had is that everything is freaking halfway. It's half it's and, and it's been a pattern with the dolphins for years and years and years and years. And I've, I've done gone through this ad infinitum, but it's, you know, uh, go all the way back to, you know, basically they did it in 96 with Jimmy where they cleaned house. They cleaned house with Shula for the most part. There were a couple of guys who stuck around. They were sort of staff people who stuck around. A lot of them. Harvey Green could, you know, survive a nuclear holocaust. But like there, there, were, there were a lot of people that, that were there for a while and stayed. But they also cleaned out a ton of the coaching staff and all the rest of it. Okay. But then when you go forward from there, again, the move to bring in Wanstead in 99 to essentially coach the team because Jimmy didn't want to coach anymore um, and to bring him in, fly him in from Naples when nobody knew what was going on and have him essentially be the assistant head coach, but really the head coach and then take over. But from that point, they did this over and over. Okay. Rick Spielman was brought in by Dave. Then they flipped the positions. They thought that would work. Okay. Then Spielman sticks around for Saban. The two of them don't talk to each other. Okay. Saban blows Spielman out. Spielman's done a pretty damn good job over the past few years in Minnesota, by the way. Okay. And I was a big Rick, Rick guy. Okay. Rick did not make a lot of the bad decisions that he got blamed for. That was mostly Dave. Okay. But so then you, you blow uh, Spielman out. He brings in Mueller. Then when Saban bolts, you don't replace Mueller. You keep him for Cam Cameron, okay? Yeah. And so then they totally clean house. The one time they did it was 08, okay? Wayne did it in 08, and he brought in Parcells, but Parcells wanted to, you know, ride around on a golf cart and go watch the ponies, okay? And wasn't really committed to the whole thing the way he could have been. And I also think his whole philosophy was completely outdated. He hadn't won a playoff game in three eons, all right? And so he hires Ireland and, Spar- and Sperano, then what happens, okay, the owner who takes over, Ross, Parcells can walk with his money because Ross comes in. Ross then goes out to try to get Harbaugh, all right, and again, doesn't end up getting him and just basically flips the power structure where Ireland gets more power and Ireland's on a plane and Tony and he don't talk anymore, okay? This kind of shit's been going on forever with this organization. Dennis Hickey, another one. I thought he did a pretty decent job in that one draft. Then he's blown out, okay? Again, partial blowout for the whole team. And you do it again here with Gase and Tannenbaum. So, my whole thing on this is they, they just so rarely, with the exception of, again, I'm going to go back to 96 and 2008, so rarely have they just said, we're going to hire one person, and he's going to hire everybody else. We're, he's going to hire everybody else, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we're going to go forward. And so you can't, like, there are you know rumors about what Tannenbaum's status might be next year, and I know we've talked about that with some of the guys you know in our network too. But, like, to me, just Tannenbaum leaving and then – Okay, what you are you promoting Gase? You're bringing in someone from the outside to inherit Gase? Like, I just think I know this is a long answer to a short question that you asked. Um, I think that Adam Gase needs to be seriously evaluated this offseason because uh, to me, 174, you know, point differential negative 44. Yeah, correct. That means you're a bad football team. Now, you may have gotten fortunate with some games that you won, and I know some people say, well, he's really good at coaching in close games, maybe. 
maybe. Um, but these blowouts are That's getting luck. embarrassing. I mean, it, it, it's it's luck. It's luck, right? I, I think it's luck. So, uh, so the reality of your football team is going out on a you know a Thursday night or a Monday night or a Sunday night or some other platform and having an opportunity like they had in New England this year. Okay, like you know, again, they have on a Thursday night against a so-so. I don't think that's a great Houston team. It's it's playing well, but I don't think it's a great Houston team. And you know, getting your ass handed to you, you know, you know, defensively in that game. And the other thing is, Gase Gase promoted Burke. Okay, and he's Gase was okay with the decision, I suppose. I mean, from everything we've heard, you know, to go forward with Tannehill, not give him any competition. And a point that you've made over and over, and this applies to the Mahomes situation, is that, you know, you look at the quarterback situation this year, you know, they were one spot from taking Josh Rosen. Now, I know he hasn't been great shakes this mm-hmm. year. He uh, played well today. Did, uh, did did win the game for them against San Francisco in, in the toilet bowl of the day, but still w- w- won a game. Won a game. And look, if you had him right now, like I think you could buy Adam Gay some more time and say because Let's Rosen would be playing right now instead of instead of Osweiler instead of Osweiler, which is uh, right, like you said, which is just and Brock's been fine, but like it's it's not a long term play here. So I, you know he's been here for this period of time. They I liked a lot of the moves they made. I was not in favor of of them keeping Landry at that money. I understood the Ajayi move. So some of the moves that he's made, you know, Jordan Phillips was a malcontent. They got rid of him. That's fine. Pouncey can never stay healthy. That's fine. So the guys that Gase got rid of, like, you know, him asserting his authority, I didn't have a problem with those on the surface. But again, those moves were made. They brought in other guys and they don't look like a good football team right now. And I just think at at some Mm -hmm. point. I'm never the fire the coach guy. I'm really not. Okay, I, I so why so why are you now? So so why 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 do you look at the why why do you look at a team that's four and four with what for me is four and four talent and say they should be better or the coaching is the problem? Well, because and I understand that they are four and four and that's totally true and I think part of this is mm-hmm. I mean it's indisputable part of this is that they started three and0 and it's just disappointment that they've collapsed again so and, I do and, think and, I, and I, I do think as well right so use point differential as an argument to say well they're actually winning these games but they shouldn't have based off of the statistic that says that maybe they were lucky to win those games but let's run through those games right so they open with the Titans and mm-hmm. yes there was lightning involved but I thought they were better than the Titans on the day they were they were better than them against the Jets they led by 20 to nothing at the half and didn't allow Sam Darnold to do anything for a half and I thought that they were deserved winners on the day I would say maybe the Raiders game if you're looking at, at, at a game that maybe they won that they shouldn't have I, I would say that that's definitely one of them uh, you can definitely look at the Bears game as well when they're down by double digits twice mm-hmm. but they they generated the plays and yes they got lucky that you know that that, uh, that the Bears fumbled inside the five yard line but the Dolphins did in the game as well I would say in terms of luck that about evened out and their kicker made a field goal and yours missed one so maybe that's a toss-up game but l- like I, I don't th- and then you look at the Bengals game the bank like you're up double digits in the second half that's maybe a game that you should win so if you look at kind of each game individually I would say that you probably should have won three including the Bengals one was a toss-up one was a a game that maybe you were outperformed and for me the Raiders I I thought the Raiders were better on the day and then you were hammered in three right so you're basically in those kind of terms like three three and two right so like I think in the, in these individual games, understanding that point differential is meant to capture a broader picture. I don't think in these individual games they're so fortunate to win week in week out. I, I think that when they lose, they get hammered, and that's something that has to be rectified. But it still counts as one loss. That that's my point. My point is is that 
if I felt like they were really fluking their way to a four and four record, and that in in the indiv- in the individual games themselves that they weren't delivering good performances or weren't better on the day against some teams like the Titans who are okay, uh, like the Bengals who are good, like like I think they've been good on days. And I think that Adam Gaze deserves some credit for that. And I, I don't think he deserves to be hammered in the way that you're hammering him. Well, I, I think there's a middle ground here. I think one of the reasons to get back to kind of why I'm, I've taken this position is because I feel like there is. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How do I put this? Again, I covered a lot of those coaches that got hammered for less. Okay. Mm. And so I, I that's what I don't really and I didn't cover Philbin because I was I was on the heat full time at that point. Okay, but I watched it. I covered Tony, okay, every day. Um, I covered Wanstat every day. I was around for the two years of Saban. Now he didn't get hammered. There was, I mean, nobody really wanted him to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, People only turned on him once he turned on them. He, basically, once he once he left. I mean, it was more so the media that was, and and I was among them that was questioning things that he was doing, like drafting the whole SEC or only players mm-hmm. he played against, and because he was a jerk. Well, right. <laughs> so, and he, so, right, so that didn't help right, his cause. <laughs> right. No. No. It, no. It. No. It didn't. Okay. But. But I'm looking at some of these other coaches, and I'm saying, you know, he, 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 you know even Dan Campbell, it was kind of decided pretty early on. Like, yeah, people were happy that he, you know, he man Campbell and the Oklahoma drill and all that. But everybody's like, well, he's not qualified to be a head coach. That that became the general perception down here. Mm-hmm. And my, my thing on this is is this: what has made Adam Gase qualified in this situation? Like, okay. He worked with Peyton Manning. Okay. Joe Philbin worked with Aaron Rodgers. Okay. So part of the point on that was, well, Gase was calling plays and Philbin wasn't. Philbin was just designing game plans and getting out of the way. And that was kind of used as sort of a shot to Joe. Okay. But the thing about Gase is the game planning is not working. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I, I come back to this stat. They have not scored a point in their opening drive in 13 straight games. So like this idea, again, that Gase is some offensive genius, but Joe was a, a nitwit, okay? Which I think was the perception of Philbin. Mm-hmm. I think it's style. I just think it's style, and I, I don't right. like it when guys get a pass because of style. Like, And that and, and that, that takes me to my stance. So my stance is I'm still backing Adam Gase, but I'm not sure why, right? Because you've laid out this really good case, right? And I think I am I am the person that you are railing against in terms of style, yes. right? Yes, because, yes. Because Dave yes. Wanstead earned criticism because he said that punting is okay and because mm-hmm. they had this quarterbacking situation, this passing offense that was even more prehistoric 
than that time, right? Like, it's not like, you know, like the the New England Patriots 2007 were the first offense that really went into the shotgun full time, right? So even by 2001 standards, his his offense was so behind its time. And And better than this one. And And better than this one. Better right, than right. this one. With, with, with Ricky Williams in his prime, you know, like I, running the ball 400 with, times. With, with, with Jay Fiedler, who I defended, uh, you know, ad nauseum. To but, his dying uh, day. I def- <laughs> right. I did. Okay. Well, we know. should get him on the podcast just so you can explain the degree to oh, which. No, he- no, he he absolutely would come on. He absolutely okay. is a follower. All right. But uh, but so so I think that the the feeling with Wanset was he's this prehistoric caveman who is holding back. Like to me, it's kind of reminiscent. Like Jay Fiedler is almost the Blake Bortles of two thousand and one because he is holding back this ridiculously good defense. Both he and Dave Wanset are holding back this team from being a Super Bowl contender. They had a Super Bowl quality defense in that time and 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 could, and could never get it done. Then then you move. To, to Cam Cameron, who was a laughing stock for obvious reasons, uh, beginning with fail forward fast. Although I remember at the time thinking, oh, that kind of makes sense. But let, let's be honest. I, was, I, I, wrote, I wrote a call defending. <laughs> and then... I, to, I, and then I, 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 no, I, I just want to think of this. Yes. I actually reached the professor who came up with that phrase. <laughs> And I know I did. And I wrote a column saying it was ingenious. Uh, yeah, that, that didn't turn I, out. So I remember well. I was so in on that team. I was so, you talk about pedigree. Like, I thought Cam Cameron was like the reason why Philip Rivers, LaDainian Tomlinson was good at football. Like, I, mm-hmm. one of the dumber things I've ever thought. But, um, and then Tony Sperano with the fist pumping and being Parcells' puppet and then nearly getting run out. Again, I think there are perception things. Same with Philbin for being boring and for picking not, up paper. Picking right, because right, of hard knocks and then all right. All, all this stuff where because he wasn't the play caller so like there were perception things right there were narrative reasons why and I don't think now you've certainly constructed a narrative based off those numbers that Adam Gase is actually bad right but he's not done anything from a narrative storyline point of view he's not like embar- forget timeouts like Sperano right, used to right he's not embarrassing uh, right. himself like I, I think that's the ultimate now the results are like when they lose on Thursday night football 42-23 that's embarrassing but he himself is not stepping up to the podium after the game and saying anything it's like oh like people are like the the worst that people are criticizing for beyond the results is like well why is he throwing on fourth and one and running on third and 10 right like like actual play calling decision things not this guy is an embarrassment to us because and I think the national media has a role in in kind of shaping this, right? Yes. The the yes. narrative around Adam Gase when he came in was you are getting an offensive genius. You are getting a, a, yep. a play caller, the next great coach, offensive Bill Belichick. And I think that narrative has bought him all this goodwill because Dolphins fans are kind of hoping, all right, if we get the right quarterback, if we get the right players in, then this is going to turn around because Adam Gase is actually this. And it's going to kind of smack everyone in the face. It smacks some people, including, I think, you and a few others that I see on Twitter in the face already that he's not actually what he was promised to be. But I still think there are enough people holding on to it that he's going to carry on in this job for at least another year without real pressure from either the front office or the fan base. We'll get back to the episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And right now, Chris, right now, if you go to BetDSI.com, you will not find a line on the Dolphins-Jets game because they don't know Ryan Tannehill's status at this stage. So until that is actually known, probably won't see a line there, I would assume, 
whether Tannehill plays or not, it's going to be pretty close to the Dolphins. I would guess, what would you say, three and a half point favorite? I would, I would say that. I would say that's a, a nailed on Dolphins by three line. That's that's basically they think the two teams are even, and so give three points to the home team. Although I feel like there'll right. be a lot of Jets fans, as there have been a lot of away teams fans. So I don't even know if I buy that home field advantage. But I will say, Five Reason Sports Network might help determine the line over Bet DSI, as it did happen with that Bears game a few weeks ago when it went from what, what was it, Bears by three to Bears by six in the span of an overnight period. So that information that the Five Reason Sports Network is giving out can affect things over at BetDSI.com. I had a great weekend gambling at BetDSI.com. Although I will tell one story. So just to sort of highlight the breadth of bets that they offer over at BetDSI.com. I was looking at the Classico, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Barcelona went at 5-1, and I was uh, sitting with a friend of mine, and we were looking over, okay, how can we find value on this game? And so we were basically predicting a hammering, that Barcelona was going to hammer Real Madrid because Real Madrid had been awful for a few months. And so we went to a section that they have, which is correctly predict the score. And so uh, I put down a dollar on 3 nothing, 4 nothing, 5 nothing, and 6 nothing, And... It, it finished 5-1. If not for that Real Madrid goal, I would have gotten 88-1 to on correctly predicting that scoreline. It would have absolutely erased all my losses from the weekend. But that's just the breadth of bets that they offer over BetDSI. It is an amazing gambling experience. Go to BetDSI.com and use the promo code REASON101 at checkout to get up to $2,500 matched. Look, I, it is a national media narrative, and there are certain guys that become national media darlings, mm-hmm. and and I think that's what happened with him. Um, you know, and I think, look, with Sean McVay, who I don't think was quite the darling that that Gase was, all of that would have been true. Um, mm-hmm. But it has it has not been so far with Gase. And think about, how, think I, about how quickly the narrative turned on John Gruden. Like he he was the it hire, and then after training Khalil Mack, he hasn't even given a, he hasn't even coached a game yet, and already ever oh like everyone's out on John Gruden, and everyone thought that the Raiders were going to be terrible. Now they ended up being right, but I, I think it's one of those things where like I think narrative legitimately shapes so much of this, and Adam Gase just hasn't had the narrative turn on him yet. No, he hasn't, and I tweeted about this today. Just switching to NBA for a second, so we mm-hmm. get more downloads on this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, I, I tweeted about Spolstra today because we just had another firing in the NBA mm-hmm. of a coach who coached LeBron James, right? Ty Lu coached LeBron James, and Rohan uh, from SI, who is on our Miami Heat Beat pod a lot, you know, tweeted this, that Eric Spolstra is the only coach LeBron James has ever had who has had a winning record without him. And you talk about narrative. The national media narrative on Eric Spolstra was incredibly negative. It was, it was, it was very positive locally. Because we knew him. We'd been around him for 10, 12 years. We'd seen him work, okay? I was in on Eric Spolster from the very beginning because, again, I knew Eric when I, we were both 20. He was 26 and I was 24, and we started covering the team. You know, I started covering the team, and he was a video coordinator, okay? And I knew how smart he was, okay, and how diligent he was, how serious he was, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that he would be a really good coach. But the national media was out on him. Well, totally it was, it, it was sort of nothing, wasn't it? Because he gets hired after the Heat go 15 and 67, and he gets you know put into a job. And frankly, when no one's paying attention, all of a sudden when everyone starts paying attention, they see this. Who's this? It's Spolster. Right. What, like what? Like what is right. like who? Like and and people believe that that LeBron James is, is deserving of a coach with a bigger name and a bigger reputation. Yeah, than Pat he was Riley. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. But but the reality is, those of us who knew Riley. And New Spolstra thought that Eric would be the better coach for him because of sort of the, the methods that Pat had as a coach 
wouldn't necessarily work with this kind of team. Okay. Now I know Pat had coached great players before, but times had changed in the NBA. Okay. It wasn't the same as the eighties Lakers. It's a different group of players. And we also knew that Dwayne Wade didn't want to play for Pat Riley again. He wanted to play for Eric at the time. And I know it and got yet, rocky. And, but, yet, and yet LeBron asked, do you have the itch? Do you ever get right. the itch? Right. Well, he did. That's true. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. But, but mm-hmm. the point on the point on Spolster was okay. That the narrative on him and remains so even after he took the team to the finals the first year that LeBron was here remained. He's not up to the job. Okay. He's not up to the job. I right? think, I think and, that's the dumb man's narrative. I think everyone who's smart in the NBA, like uh, Zach Lowe and Adrian Wojnarowski on a podcast recently said, or I think it was Lowe who said that a team asked Zach Lowe, do you think if I offered the heat, my first round pick, they'd give me Eric Spolstra like that. Like that's the degree to which that, he's respected you, around you, the league. Do you think that was the narrative in 2010? It was not. No, no question. And, and no. Zach is the best NBA writer in the country, the smartest NBA writer in the country. But I don't. I, I've never talked to Zach about it mm-hmm. specifically. But I don't know that. I don't know if he had that idea at that time with Woj. Woj and Spolster of the same agent. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's a whole other story. But the 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 reality is that uh, that was the narrative on, on Spo had to be turned. It was negative or sort of nothing to start. And it had to be turned into like people like Stan Van Gundy, who we've had on the pod say this again, who thought that he was going to be a Hall of Fame coach, okay, or Greg Popovich defending him. Do you remember that first, like Phil Jackson was taking shots at Spo 2010, okay, I remember being in Orlando. 2010 2011 season and Phil was taking these pot shots okay at Spo from Los Angeles and Spo uh you know obviously he and Stan are close but Stan went on this 15 minute rant about Phil Jackson I was there in Orlando okay (laughs) defending him Popovich defending Spo other coaches defending Spo even though he was not the type Mm -hmm. to sort of be close with a lot of coaches around the NBA so my point on this is that the narrative had to flip on him. And and by the way, and, the narrative almost swallowed him after losing the 2011 finals because a lot of people thought that Spo should have been fired after that. And only, Spo thought only, he should have been fired. Right, right. Spo, okay. only, only the Heat keep him in that spot. Only the Heat. Spolstra told me um, after the 2010-2011 season that he thought he would be fired three times. And in any other organization, he would have been. Okay, First, when they got LeBron so that they could hire a bigger name coach or someone like Riley could move in and become the coach. Second, after nine and eight in Dallas, Mm -hmm. when they had the players only meeting and shut the door on him. Okay. And basically, and we're going to get more out of that, by the way, in our heat story series, I'm going to crack the nut of what exactly (laughs) happened in that damn meeting because nobody will tell us exactly. But I just remember running to the press room and waiting 45 minutes for those fuckers to get out of the room. Okay. (laughs) So that I can write my damn story. Okay. Cause they were bitching about Spolster inside the room. No, I mean that in the best way. That was my favorite team I ever covered, but anyway. Okay. And so, and then the, the third time was after they lost the 2011 finals. Okay. That he said that he would have been fired all three of those times in any other place. And meanwhile, now he's the second longest tenured coach in the NBA. And when pop retires, he'll be the longest tenured coach, but long winded way of saying this, and everything's been long winded here, but long winded way of saying this, that with Adam Gase, it started positive and it takes a while to turn. Mm-hmm. And I, and my whole thing this week has been, why hasn't there been any turn? Because there has been for other guys. And this idea of he's got a lot of guys hurt. Yes. Okay. He has some key guys hurt. No question about that. No question. Okay. Other teams have guys hurt. Okay. Patriots made it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with like 23 guys on IR. It happens. Okay. Philadelphia had a bunch of injuries last year. Like it happens. Okay. So that's the first thing. Second thing is 
well, okay, I mean, he's not really responsible for the defense. I've heard that one. What? He's the head coach, okay? Yeah. He promoted the defensive coordinator two years ago, okay? And I know the defense has had some injuries. But they also got – and I know he hasn't looked great, but they got McCain back and they got Wake back, right? And and so they got healthier on defense, actually. I mean, they, they were closer to what they were earlier in the season. And the defense – I'm going to give you one more stat here. This one is really atrocious, okay? I, I've been saving this one. Because you mentioned this on a previous pod that like it kind of started at halftime of the Bears game. There have been 26 drives against the Dolphins since. Okay, so it's 10 quarters in an overtime. Okay, most of an overtime uh, against them. 26 drives, 17 scores, 13 touchdowns, four field goals, plus a plus a missed field goal, which was a makeable kick. So 18 out of the 26 drives against the Dolphins since they're in scoring range since halftime, they're in scoring range. 18 out of 26. And look, I could excuse it to a degree if the offense was turning the ball over a lot. Like, cause, cause that happens, right? Mm-hmm. You give them a short field, they punch it in from the seven or something like that. They haven't turned the ball over much. Like that hasn't nope. been the issue. Like Brock has been pretty, I mean, he had a couple picks. If they're two in the bears he, game and none, well, and then he threw the Amendola one, which gave them, which gave him a touchdown. But yeah, like right. th- 35 points in the Texans game are just appalling defense. Right. I mean, they basically scored on every drive. I mean, yeah. and not just scored. They scored touchdowns scored, on every he, and scored it scored them easily as well. Like without it, and they weren't in third and eights and and converted them with crazy Deshaun Watson plays. Like like the, the whole thing that's happened with this defense, it's been shocking to me because like we talked about it, you know, during the Bears after the Bears game, where where you know I kind of realized okay, the thing that's concerning going forward and it's certainly come to pass is well the Dolphins don't have a strength anymore, right? Because it was it was supposed to be their defense, right. and in the Raiders game and in the Bears game. It got absolutely shredded. They won the Raiders game because of big plays, but they didn't get off the field very often. And then in the Bears game, they're moving the ball for fun. The Texans are moving the ball for fun. The Lions are moving the ball for fun. And you kind of wonder what happened. Like, other than William Hayes getting hurt, uh, trying to sack Derek Carr, is that the line of demarcation? Is William Hayes getting hurt? One defensive end getting hurt? I mean, that's basically what it is, isn't it? Like, like basically, since he got hurt, They've been a disaster, and before that, they were just good. They were great. They were great on defense with William Hayes in the lineup. Yeah, but I and I, I look. I'm a big uh, William Hayes supporter, and I thought the same thing happened last mm-hmm. year when they lost him. But yeah, I mean, you. Can, he's, I mean, he's one guy, right? He's a 33 I mean, year old run stopping defensive end. It sounds ridiculous, fifth, but he's their fifth defensive lineman. He's not even one of their highest paid defensive linemen. Like they've they've generated. Okay, they've generated. Was it three total sacks from Wake Quinn? Branch and Harris. Do you know how much money those guys are getting paid? It's a poll. And 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 Harris isn't getting getting paid that much, but he's a first round pick. It's like that's pick. that's almost as big of capital as as cap dollars. Right. So uh, so look, I, I mean mm-hmm. the William Hayes thing, but you know you talk about the defense. Uh, you know this idea again. Getting back to this, that like, well, you know he's supposed to energize the offense. Uh, no. Okay. No. Uh, that that's that you can't you can't say that. Mm-hmm. And and on and on offense. I just I just keep coming back to the first drives. I keep I and, and I know. Do you, feel, C- do you feel like they've generally been bad on offense this year? The the, I mean, the, the, the numbers say so, right? The, and they were the, and, the, and they were dreadful in the Patriots game, but and and the Bengals game too. But like in the Texans game, do you feel like the offense did enough to play a competitive game? It's in- a competitive, competitive, yes. But I, I come back to this: they're twenty third in points and twenty sixth in yards. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons they're twenty third in points is Jakeem Grant on special teams. Okay, but yeah. they're 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 twenty sixth in yards. They, they they've they've got some better per play stats, right? They're they're twelfth in the league in total team yards per play. 
They're 11th in the league. And I don't know how many, I don't know how much is this updated with today's results, but I'm looking at teamrankings.com. Uh, they're 11th in the league in yards per rush attempt, and they're 9th in the league in yards per pass attempt. So, like, on a per play basis, they're, like, my, my eye test is always are they moving the ball? Now, do they take a third and six or a second and six holding penalty that kills them a lot? Yeah, and that's coaching stuff that has to get worked out too. But I, I don't feel like generally that this offense has been bad, even if the big numbers show that they have been. But if you're going to say that, and, and I, this is something that comes up with the Heat too, because they don't play with a ton of pace either. Mm-hmm. And so that always gets played into it. But if you're going to say that, then the defensive numbers are even worse because if you're going to say there haven't been that many possessions, right? Yeah. Then, then okay, then how is the defense 27th in points and 27th in yards? What do I think happened to the defense? Here's my theory on the defense, okay, other than the fact that Matt Burke looks overmatched at this point, okay? But my theory is kind of what we talked to Channing about here on the pod, which was that eventually they were going to break. And, and I, I think the issue there is that the first three games of the season, the defense carried this team and to that 3-0 and start. And Channing said it himself. He says, when you don't think your offense is going to st- score, eventually it gets to you. And their offense did not score a lot in those first three games. And I know you need to be stronger than that, obviously. And that's, again, that's a Matt Burke problem. That's a defensive personnel problem. It's a Tannenbaum problem. It's a career problem. It's a lot of people's problem beyond just Gase. But when you... But, but, I think that's part of what happened here. And for that, Gase is responsible because he is responsible for supercharging the offense. And I'm looking at their yardage numbers for the past three years since they hired him, 24th, 25th, and 26th. I mean, that's consistent. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not good. And now we're going to get the, okay, well, he didn't have a starting quarterback. All right. I don't know how Dolphin fans can have that one both ways. I, I just don't get it. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I, you, I, you, I, don't, you don't, you don't want him to be the starter. And then when he's like, we don't have our starter. Right. Okay. So again, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Did I think that Tannehill was better than, you know, you know, you know, chain smoking Jay Cutler at the end of his career pulled out of a broadcast booth? Yes, obviously I did. Okay. But Jay Cutler also had more productive seasons over the course of his career, including with Adam Gase, that the drop off shouldn't have been that great, that this idea that, well, you didn't have your quarterback for all of 2017. Okay. You paid 10 million to bring this guy in organization could have had Kaepernick. I know the Castro stuff is unfortunate. It would have made it very difficult for him to play in Miami. But look, if they if Gase had pounded the table for Kaepernick, I think they probably would have signed Kaepernick. So, or somebody else. Okay, they brought in Cutler. It was right before the season. I know that's a difficult adjustment. I get all that. But this, you can't make the excuse that, I mean, he wasn't playing with Brett Hundley instead of Aaron Rodgers. Okay, he was playing with Jay Cutler, who was a former first-round pick, is, okay. is, is Jay Cutler out of retirement that much better than Brett Hundley? I, like I, 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 do, I do, I do kind of buy that. Okay, argument. but you, but but, but, but Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is a hell of a lot better than Brett than Ryan oh, Tannehill. Oh God, yeah, so, of course. So, so I, but so you, I'm but you still about played, you still played six, 19 games with mm-hmm. Brock Osweiler and Jay Cutler. Like, like in a vacuum, like, and whose fault is that? Uh, Whose fault is that? I mean, it's Ryan Tannehill's knee and shoulder, but also in terms of picking your backup quarterback, it's Adam Gase's fault. Yes. It's what he's here to do, right? By the way, in terms of uh, per play on defense, uh, they're Mm -hmm. 29th in total uh, opponent yards per play. They are 30th in opponent yards per pass attempt, and Mm -hmm. they are 23rd in opponent yards per rush attempt. So per play, uh, total, however you want to look at it, they're bad at defense. And they weren't supposed to be, and they weren't the first three games of the season. So why did they break? Yeah. And and, and I I come back to the offense. So I would say turnovers because they got a lot of turnovers, and then when they don't, it looks bad. 
All right, so let's try to close this, okay? Because um, I didn't know this is where we're going to go tonight, but we did. Um, and, you know, you asked me the question, what do I think should be done with Adam Gase? Uh, I think that these last eight games should be thoroughly scrutinized, okay? And I think the excuses need to stop, all right? Because other teams around the league, other coaches who have greater pedigrees than him are not getting the same kind of excuses and coaches who frankly had greater pedigrees than him didn't get the same excuses made for them here either. So uh, to me, you're in a position now where you can't get a high enough pick to fix everything you need to fix anyway. Um, so I do think wins and losses, even though I don't believe this is going to be a playoff team based on what the rest of the AFC looks like, even though the AFC is not great. I think that, them finishing this season strong and him actually stemming the tide of it getting more and more embarrassing every week, I think is necessary at this stage. If, and if, if, if the Dolphins close with eight straight touchdowns and opening drives, will you be back in on Adam Gase? <laughs> Let's try one. Let's try one. Let's get one. Do you, yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, yeah. what, what would be what would be your over under on that? Two. I'm not even saying a touchdown, man. Yeah. Get a field goal. A field goal. Yeah. I, I want to make that clear. The touchdown streak goes back longer. I think the touchdown streak is 19 games now, I believe. Um, the, the field goal or touchdown streak is, th is, is we're already at, uh, at 11, right? Mm -hmm. So I, just a couple, like something that shows he's got 10 days, okay? 10 days. He said it himself at the press conference afterwards. He said, you know, we're gonna, this gives us a chance to evaluate everything, right? So short week against Houston, road game, difficult assignment, okay? He's 10 days. Whether or not Tannehill plays, I don't believe he will, but whether or not Tannehill plays, it's plenty of time to prepare for a home game against a below-average team in the Jets, okay? It's enough time, okay, for a rookie quarterback who you're seeing for a second time now. It's enough time, all right? And so if you go out again and play something like you played the last week, I think the whispers should start to get louder, and I think that if this team – doesn't show some life in the second half of the season and show that they're taking to what he's trying to put in and that they're moving in the right direction and they're getting some of these, you know, these yardage totals up and some of the other things that are not happening so far, then I think Steve Ross needs to look at the whole thing again this offseason and say, do I have the right people? I know I call this a young Don Shula. He also called Chad Henney the next Dan Marino, okay? So at some point, you've got to reevaluate that and say, all right, is this the right guy? And if I believe it is, okay, do I have the right people in the front office to work with him? Because clearly this is not working. It's just not working. And then my fear on that is that he'll half-ass it again, like Heisinga did, like Ross typically has. And I'm saying if he's going to do that, I would rather he just clean house. I would rather he bring in a new president of football operations, and I would rather that president of football operations bring in a new coach. Okay, that's that's where I stand on it. He finishes Gase finishes five and three with this group the rest of the way, has a couple scores on opening drives. I back off. I'm not calling for the firing right now, but I think it needs to be looked at seriously because it was looked at with Joe Philbin. And just to be clear, Chris, Joe Philbin's first games were better than Adam Gase's. Oh, excuse me. Three, two, one. Joe Philbin's first 40 games were better than Adam Gase's. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's a totally fair position. And, and I think 
based off of these, it's just that they take such hammerings. It's not just you lose by a touchdown and no, it's the Lions don't punt until like like what they punt once for the the entirety of the game. It's the Texans having five passing touchdowns and blocking the Dolphins off the field with the worst offensive line in football. It's not even getting anywhere close to the Patriots, getting hammered by the Panthers on Monday night. It's getting hammered by the Ravens on Thursday night, by the Bengals on Thursday night, and by the Raiders on Sunday night. Like, it's these high-profile hammerings that when they lose— they lose in either humiliating, it's not just like a ho-hum, you know, on the final drive, you try and go for a two-minute and you do, and you fail to convert and you lose the game. It's these spectacular ways in which they lose and then they don't ever beat anybody that convincingly, right? They're not winning games by 21 points, which is why the point differential is so bad. But I, I'm prepared to, I don't want to say anything, right? Because if they lose the next eight games 40 to nothing, then okay, let's, let's have a conversation, right? But... I, I am prepared to still give Adam Gase benefit of the doubt that he's played 19 games with Brock Osweiler and Jay Cutler, that there are things that he absolutely has to get right, and he has to show signs that he is actually a good offensive coach because I, I just don't I, I don't think we see enough of them, and I think there are decisions that you can certainly scrutinize, but I, I think I'm fine with the whole thing being intact because... I, I, I'm not going to fall victim to they started 3-0, and now they're 4-4, and and let's blow the whole thing up. I always believe that this was a 7 and 9 team and if they finish 7 and 9 I can't just say fire everybody because this is what I expected. This is what I believe the talent level on this roster to be. Like I think everyone told you that this, you know, rostered talent was a disaster. I never thought it was a disaster, but I thought it was 7 and 9, 8 and 8 and if they head towards that range like I don't think I really have that much of a right to get pissed off because that that's who I think they are. That that's who I think they are talent wise, and that's my thing about analyzing all of this. And you've certainly laid out a tremendous case. I think for the last three years have been a twenty and twenty team, and I think those results about hold up. Now the question is, and I think this is the frustration of Dolphins fans is. What gets you to a point where you are at Andy Reid level, where you are at Sean McVay level, where you are obviously where the Patriots have been? That's a, a lofty expectation. But like that one year to the next, which is what the Rams did, right? The the Rams were 4-12 and and the most dire team in football their first year in Los Angeles. And then the second year in Los Angeles, Sean McVay comes in and everything changes, right? What do the Dolphins have to do to get to there? And if it's not changing everything around Ryan Tannehill, if it's not changing the head coach, if it's not changing the defensive coordinator and defensive players, like what do you have to be in order to get to that range? And it, it, it might be going again at the quarterback position or it might be going in a coach, but I can understand why the frustration would mount that they're not even close to where those two teams are at this stage. And they show no signs of it. That's the thing that's most disheartening yes. is that yes. there, there's there's nothing on the horizon that looks, okay, if we just do this, then everything will be fixed and we'll be back in that territory. I think the lack of answers is the most frustrating part of this, uh, both in the near term and in the long term. And I think that's why Adam Gase comes under question because is he part of that answer? Is he part of that solution? And you certainly have plenty of evidence to back the case that he's not. And... I'm willing to give him another year and and certainly some wholesale changes, particularly at quarterback. This cannot be year eight of Ryan Tannehill or else I'm with you, but I, I, I'm not all the way out yet, and I'm not even at the stage yet where I'm really questioning his position because this is what I expected from this team for the last few years. As a matter of fact, in 2016, I'm still I'm still saying that's exceeding expectations. And then in 2017, when Jay, with Jay Cutler as your quarterback, if you said they're going 6-10, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. So I would say this is conform to my expectations and so while you'd like Adam Gase to be the reason why he rises above it 
I don't think he's been I don't think he's been a negative influence as of yet on this team. Mentioned changing everything except uh, the owner, which I know is not something. And, and we the can, quarterback, we, frankly. And the quarterback, but we can't call for changing the owner. Um, I do think Steve Ross tries. Uh, I, I do mm -hmm. think he tries. He's tried a number of different things. Um, you know, I don't agree with some stances he's taken publicly about things or, or the way that he's phrased, you know, certain things in the public eye. Uh, but I do think he tries, but it just seems like he's snake bit. And, and the one thing which we didn't really get into on this pod, but, you know, again, with Mike Tannenbaum, it was kind of like, okay, um, how did that go in New York? Not great. Um, started well. Started well. And then, you know, I will say this. He, he has, Tannenbaum has restrained himself from a spending perspective this time, particularly this past offseason. Yeah. Uh, better, you know, after the Sue, I wouldn't call Sue a mistake, but I think that the position that they addressed, it didn't make a ton of sense at the time. It didn't really play out to make a ton of sense. And I think, uh, look, I think people have also accurately had to go at him for how he's, uh, how they've managed the Tannehill contract. And I think that's a totally fair criticism. Yeah, I, know I do too. But anyway, we'll get to that on another show. But let, let, all I'm saying is, you know, Adam Gase, to me, is on the clock a little bit. It, it's got to get better. Totally it's fair. Get better. Totally fair. Got to get better than it's been. All right, we will talk more about the Canes and everything else as we go later in the week. Um, we had a lot to address here. Um, also, check out, we'll be talking, I believe, later this week to Mark Hockman, our friend over at 560. So that should be a fun episode. We'll talk to you soon. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.